Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday with the message, Jesus is Greater. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor, Antoine Lasseter. Amen. Amen. Listen, I want, I want to thank you for worshiping with us. Um, I think it's a good day. It's a good day not because it's Easter Sunday. It's because he has risen. And, and so um, I want to jump right into uh, the Word of God. We're going to take root in John chapter 20, uh, verse 1 through 10, and we're going to read it together. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. We're going to try a couple verses. And so, uh, you know, it's like, it's like directing a choir, and I'm not good at it. So um, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. So John chapter 20, and I'll let you know when I want you to read it. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they put him. She was hot. They took his body. In verse number three, at that, Peter and the other disciple went out, um, headed, heading for the tomb. Then the two were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. See, John is petty. John didn't have to mention that he beat Peter in running, but that's just, you know, he's human. So he was like, yeah, um, I outran Peter. So he just wanted you to know that. So since he wanted you to know it, I'm just going to repeat it. Uh, John outran Peter because Peter was slow. I just added that for us. So verse number five, stooping down, he saw that the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, he um, he also got there first and went in the tomb first. He wanted you to know that. So Peter came after John did. So um, then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen clothes, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. Uh, The other disciple who had reached the tomb first just so you don't forget that John got to the tomb first, um, then also went in and saw and believed. And we want to read this together, verse number nine. Uh, all right, so let's read it together. For they... For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. See, they've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and Jesus um, shared with them Scripture. Um, but I want to sort of park on verse number nine. Um, they were sort of shocked that the tomb was empty. They were sort of shocked that his body was not there, for they had not yet understood that the Scripture, that the Scripture says that he must rise from the de- heaven and earth is based on the fact that he has to be a man of his word. And if he's not a man of his word and he lied about being raised from the dead, we are all in trouble. But something happens when we understand that he means what he says and we can take what he says to the bank. Yeah. And here's what the beauty of all of this. Every person here has a story. 
And, 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 and Easter Sunday, uh, the, the, the climax of this story that, we, that has been written for over 2,000 years, um, two, that happened over 2,000 years ago, uh, is the accumulation of the fact, the culmination of the fact that the tomb is empty. And we shout, and we should, we shout that he's no longer on the grave and he's no longer in the tomb. The tomb is empty. But I suggest to you, that's not the end of the story. I suggest to you that even Jesus coming in physical, uh, in, 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 in a physical body, in being incarnate, it's the word God in the flesh. I submit to you, that's not the beginning of the story. Somewhere we have, uh, we have benchmarked or bookmarked that when Jesus was born in a manger and then when he was resurrected, that's the whole story. But there's more to the story, if you will, if you understand scripture. Because every story has a beginning. But the beginning of this story is not in Mary's belly. The beginning of this story, this one story that's above all stories, this one story that's so true, that's so real, so tangible that history was changed, this one story. And may I submit to you that your story, if you let God reign in your life, can actually be a part of his story. And his story does not begin with the New Testament. His story does not begin when we came to the knowledge of who he is. No, no. His story, a little further back than that. His story, um, and, and then we see this book as a collection of uh, rules and do nots and names that I can't pronounce. You know, Mephibosheth stuff, that stuff. Like hard names, and, and, and so we see these 66 books as individual stories. But may I submit to you, this is one story that this book tells. And that one story, if, if we, we can't appreciate the resurrected Savior, if we don't understand the story that God has been telling ever since the beginning of time. It's that one story that, that can bring blacks, whites, poor, rich, Republican, Democrat, all this together. It's one story. And this is the story that fascinates the world because the church is God's example to the world. But we do not, like the disciples, I want you to keep verse number nine up there, that we don't understand fully in this story. It's the most important story you ever know. But yet, if we don't understand the scriptures, we don't understand the power of the resurrection. And because he lived, lived a sinless life, because he lived, lived a sinless life and got on that cross voluntarily. And the old folks used to say, he lives so I can face tomorrow. That is the hope that he gives us. See, when we don't see the entire story, this book becomes irrelevant. We don't understand that this book is telling one story. 
And this story points us back to Jesus. Now I know the kids are in here, and, and so this is what I want us to participate fully, if you will. Everybody knows about David and yeah, 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 you read your Bibles. And, and so if you don't know the story, you'll pluck David and Goliath out of this book. And if you don't know the whole story, then the focus then becomes on David. And then we relate to David because everybody here feels like we're facing a giant. And David just used what he had. And he killed Goliath. Don't you have Goliath in your life? And what that does, it makes David the hero. But when you, don't, when you know the story, the story of David should point you back to God. And so what happens is we make heroes of the fallen. Uh, can I just park at your, in your driveway for a minute? What we do is we make heroes of leaders, and that's an incomplete story. And so we, we say Abraham, man, Abraham's that dude. Abraham is, is, we literally call him the father of faith. Now, that's a hefty title. And he's a great man. And we make him a hero. And we pluck his life out of the book. And we say, yes, I want to be just like Abraham. Abraham left the familiar. Have you ever been to a place that God calls you out of your family? Oh, yes. I got the Abraham anointing. And he becomes the hero. But there's one that Abraham should be pointing us to. I'm trying to tell you the story. I'm, try, I'm trying to walk with you through the story because what happens, we don't revere the words in this book. So we keep making heroes out of people. And every person in this book outside of Jesus let people down. Oh, you want evidence? David worshiped like no man. What? He, David worshiped so hard that he came out of his clothes. Now, I don't know about you. I ain't never worshiped like that. David was one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had. But, now remember, but changes everything I just said. But David never saw a woman he didn't like. David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. David wrote a lot of songs, but don't you fool yourself. If you don't know the whole story, we, we honor David and Abraham. And don't let me start talking about Samson. Samson was the strongest man ever. Samson would take a donkey's jaw and just kill people with it. So, so Samson got so hungry at one point that he actually took a honeycomb from a dead lion's belly and ate it. Now, I ain't ever been that hungry. But that's Samson. And so we keep telling these individual stories without pointing you back to the author of every story. 
And so that's why when there is a, you look through judges and you look through kings, it's like the children of Israel wanted to be like other nations. Well, give us a king. And God was saying, I am your king. Give us a king like the world. And so if you don't understand the story, so everything beautiful, spiritual, and wonderful, and eternal about you is the result of his divine image that he wove in, into you from the beginning. Did you know that you were in the mind of God in the beginning when he created the heavens and the earth? Now, I want you to breathe that in for a moment. Your beginning did not start with your great, 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 dot, dot, dot. Your beginning started in the mind of God when there was nothing on the earth. He thought of you. Now, that's heavy. Now, I love my parents, my grandparents, and their parents, but my God, he thought of us. He had us in mind from the beginning of time. You are important to God. And so God the Father, Jesus the Son, and this Holy Spirit, they conspired to bring you into existence. Because you have a purpose and a calling on your life. And they looked at each other in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let us make mankind in our image. So God the Father worked through the Son to bring about everything in existence. You, my beloved. You. Yes, you. Not the one we see dressed up on this Easter Sunday. But you know, the quiet you, the sometimes confused you, he, you are in the mind of God. You are important to God. But remember, the overarching story is not just about us. Jesus, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 it's said of Jesus that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Breathe that in. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning. He's supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven 
and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He shed his blood on the cross. I think I got another translation. And so you guys are back there scrambling like, where is he reading from? My apologies. The gist of this is Jesus was in the beginning of all creation. So Jesus didn't appear on the scene just into Mary's belly. All things that are created, all things that you can't see and you can't see, it's Jesus who's the architect. The Bible presents Jesus as greater than all who have ever lived before him and all who will ever come behind him. Jesus is greater. Mom and them are good, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than all creation. As the creator of all things, he would have to be. You don't just marvel at this mansion that you see. It might have been to the Biltmore in Nashville. It's fabulous. It's big. It's huge. You can marvel at the building, but I'm more impressed with the builder. And so Jesus is the creator of all things. We have a, listen, me and my wife, we moved to the country back to the country because we couldn't see the stars in the city. So when you look up, I know some of y'all live in the city. You can't have this experience. But when you look up, you see little bright dots. It's fascinating. It's creation. And Jesus created everything you can see. And so it's a big deal. If the creator of everything decides to solve a problem that we can't solve. So every hero has a problem to solve. And every story has a problem or a plot. The problem for humanity is we're sinful. So we always got one in the class. So let's do this again. I'm just messing with you. Let's do this again. Um, <laughs> we're sinful. Um, yes. Every story has a problem. And the problem for humanity is yeah, sin. Yet in mercy, God had a plan even when we had a problem. And even when we sinned, Adam and Eve. And here's the thing. I always say this, like when I get to heaven and I finally see Adam and Eve, I'm going to be like, bruh. Like seriously? But when, when, when Adam and Eve was here on earth, they sinned. And because of them... Because of that sin of free will, they, 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 had, they had free will, and they were choosing to be like God, um, thought that they knew they, they could handle things outside of God, and they fell into a physical and spiritual death, and it caused all these consequences that we're seeing, and we see the brokenness, and, and, then, and, and I think it can be drilled down that we have two fundamental needs as, as, as beings. We need to be able to hear from God, and we need a way back to God. 
Everything is coming down to that. I need to hear from God. I need to wave it back to God. And Jesus, the greatest of all time, he offers both. Gives us a word and a way to God. But every story has people in it. And the fall resulted in mankind's struggles. But God was not silent. And then we start seeing people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We start seeing the children of Israel in this, man, this roller coaster of life. You know how it is. They make confession that Jesus is Lord. And let's just say they start drifting. And then they start drifting, and and then they're big and bad enough to do what they thought they could handle. And then the weight of their decision gets too heavy, and they cry out, Lord, save us. We down here, you know. And then as a loving father, he responds, stops going after other gods, stop building idols, stop being selfish, do all of these things that I've commanded you to do. And they do it for a while. And all of a sudden, they start knowing more than God, find themselves in trouble again. But they're big and bad enough to make these decisions again. And then the decisions get a little heavier again. And the consequences of sin finds its way back to them And then God in his loving mercy, as they cry out, Lord, listen, we're dying down here. And like a loving father, he rescues them again. They make more sacrifices again. They build arcs and temples again. They're delivered from slavery again. And before you know it, this cycle continues. But God always has a plan. And the story and the hero of this is no other than no other than Jesus. And we know it's not Christmas, but we know the story that the shepherds look at the star and they follow the star and they get to baby Jesus. But this is just a reminder to all of us that heaven and earth point to our creator. History has been pointing to Jesus since time began. Jesus is God's appointed. He's God's anointed. And he says this in John chapter 14 and 6. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You and I cannot get to the Father except through Jesus. So Jesus is greater than Abraham. John chapter 8. The disciples are finding themselves in a quandary with the, the Pharisees. And the Jews get sick of him saying these hints, get sick of Jesus throwing these hints out there. And they finally ask him a direct question. Are you greater than Abraham? Jesus says, yep. 
No, he didn't say yep. He said, your father Abraham, he said something worse to them. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. They got mad then, Doc. You're not even 50 years old. Went straight over his head. Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses was that dude. Now, Moses was so great that in the book of Jude, I think, they talked about the devil was like, where's his body so I can figure out what his body is made of? That's how that dude was, Moses. Moses was that dude. He read, listen, if you are leading anywhere between three to 10 million stiff-necked children of Israel, you good, doc. You good. But Jesus is greater than Moses. It was said of Solomon that his wisdom, it's in the book. It was said that Solomon's wisdom was so vast and so great. But Jesus was greater than Solomon. It's summed up with Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. That his name is above every name. Like we didn't just come to church this Easter Sunday looking good, might I add, just to celebrate his name, but it's also to celebrate who he is. And Jesus is greater. He's greater than any person that we know. But let me park for a second, and I'm almost done, for real, that Jesus is also greater than any problem you ever have. Jesus is greater than our problems. He says, John, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I've told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is greater than your past. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Jesus is greater than our plans. Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Jesus is greater than our pain. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was Pierced. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus is greater than your fear. First Peter um, chapter 5, verse 2, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Jesus is greater than our needs. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Now, everybody 
everybody preaches this. And my God will meet all your needs. See, I ain't even got to finish. <laughs> Jesus is greater than our needs. Jesus is greater than death. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So every story has people, problems. Every story has a hero. If you're here today, I submit to you, hero of your life and mine, in the church, the past, the present, and the future, is Jesus. this week's message. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel like to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.